Good morning, Brinesburg. Good to see you on this beautiful Sunday morning, and I hope you've had a great week. We've had a lot going on this week with the end of school and all of that entails, and we're excited to be back together on this Sunday morning for the purpose of worshiping our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and we have reason to celebrate again this morning because of who our Savior is and all that he has done and all that he has promised us. And uh, this morning, we want to welcome those of you who are joining us through television or through Facebook Live. Uh, welcome this morning, those of you on Facebook Live. Again, I'd uh, love to have you to tell us uh, your last name or, or uh, let us know of a prayer concern, anything like that. Just love to know folks that are with us so we can connect with you. And uh, for those of you, this is your first opportunity to be with us here at Brownsburg. We want to welcome you as well. And uh, we'd ask that you grab that card that's in front of you in the pew and fill that out and place it in the offering plate that's on the big round table in the foyer. And uh, we appreciate that. Helps us know of your attendance today, but more important, how we can minister to you and your family. And so glad to have you with us in worship. A lot going on uh, as we do enter into the summer uh, season. And I hope that you've looked at your bulletin to see those, those things that pertain to you and to your family. Again, continue to pray for Vacation Bible School. Continue to pray for our teachers and leaders as well as the kids that are going to be with us. Such an important week in the life of our church family. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. So be in prayer. Uh, also want to remind you of our mission trips coming up this summer in June. Uh, we'll be having our mission to Marshall, uh, which will be our work here in the county. And if you're planning on help us, help, helping us that week, even if you're just saying, hey, I could help prepare meals or, or whatever you might be wanting to uh, add to that mission team, uh, please do sign up. We want to know who we've got so we can put together uh, sort of teams inside the team and know what all we can accomplish that week. And I've already had some of you who have said, oh, you know I'm going to be there that week. N no, I don't. I can't read your mind, so uh, put your name on the list so that I know that you're going to plan on being there. And uh, we're going to be having an informational meeting and want to be able to make sure that we can get you uh, as a part of that meeting so we can get everything organized. And uh, same uh, for our Montana mission team. If you could, get your name on that list so that we can begin planning what all we can do in Montana as well. And that will be in July. Um, also, uh, continue to uh, uh, come to rehearsals uh, as we're getting... As, uh, as we're getting started back today and uh, looking towards our 4th of July, Celebrate America. And so uh, we're uh, looking forward to that. So choir, uh, plug in and be a part of that today at 430. Um, as you know, we're very uh, involved in uh, our ministry in Brazil uh, with Amor and ministering to the families along uh, the river there in Brazil. And uh, we have gotten from Pastor Pedro kind of a, a report of uh, what all has been going on there in Brazil. And I have printed off some copies. I know several of you pray regularly uh, for our missionaries there in Brazil. And he's just given a little bit of information about what's going on with some of those missionaries and what, the ways that they've been able to reach out. And uh, thanking us for the support, both prayer support as well as financial support. Uh, so let me just read briefly just the, the body of the letter, and then you can grab it and have the names and, and the specifics for the prayer time. But he says, love and gratitude to Brinesburg Baptist Church. Great deeds God has accomplished through this beloved church and its leaders. So we are delighted to dedicate this moment to God and to you together, caring for your family and as we are caring pastorally with compassion to the riverside people of the Amazon River Basin. This partnership has reached the many communities, and he lists those all below, and he lists the pastors of each of those communities, and there are many, many of those 
And he says, the activities in these places are developed according to the existing needs of each place. And in some places, we only take care of the pastor's families, developing a therapeutic treatment where it has been very valuable. They have felt better loved and revived for the care of the church and each other helping. However, we work in the areas of benefiting communities with uh, bags of food, medicine, clothes, and donations. And we saw the joy in every face. We also see the peace that it is bringing to them. This motivates, uh, motivates us more and more to want to share with you how important your prayer support as well as your financial contributions have been to this project and how much we love uh, representing our Lord uh, through them. Our journey and visits have been successful. We saw God acting by preventing suicides, uh, restoring couples who were about to divorce, and pastors being prevented from having um, a cerebral vascular accident. Communities uh, have been um, provided with water pops in their homes, and members with depression have received treatment, and we've seen much recovery. Some of the prayer requests that I would ask would be for pastors and their families, for my life and for my family, and for the project, Healthy Mind and a Full Life. In Jesus Christ, our hope, Pastor Pedro and Louisa. And so we appreciate uh, their ministry. And again, if you'd like to grab one of these and have the, the letter as well as the prayer needs of each of these uh, pastors and their churches, uh, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church family that we were able to minister right here in Marshall County and throughout um, the Commonwealth of Kentucky and right here in the United States, but also uh, impacting um, through the cooperative program peoples all around the world, but specifically right here in Brazil through our partnership with Amor. And I know that Pastor Pedro is so encouraged. He has a big job. There's a lot of churches and a lot of faraway places that it takes many, many hours, sometimes days, to get to by boat. And um, you're praying for him and your financial support of that ministry. When we can't be there um, like this summer because of some of the uh, issues uh, still there because of the pandemic. Um, but your prayer support and your financial support for him during these difficult times has meant so much. And so uh, he just wanted to reach out and to personally say thank you uh, to this church family. So uh, thank you again. And uh, th there's that opportunity for you to be uh, continue to be prayer warriors on their behalf. This morning, we do have many on our, prayer, on our prayer list, and you see those that are listed, uh, certainly those with health issues, but most importantly, we want to pray for the lost. And I know that you still have uh, your one on your mind, that maybe you've seen your one come to know Christ, and you've uh, got a new one that you're praying for. Um, but we continue to pray the Lord would give us opportunity to be able to share the gospel and to be able to see them come to know Christ and for us to be able to celebrate with them as the angels in heaven do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for yet another opportunity here in the middle of May on a Sunday morning to come together and for one purpose, to worship you, our risen Savior and Lord. And Lord, today we do recognize the many needs around about us, Lord. We, we see the needs of uh, families, Lord, that are struggling health-wise. Lord, we see the needs of families that are struggling with relationships and maybe finances. But we also see the greatest need is for the lost to be saved, for the lost to come to know you as Savior and as Lord. And today we um, thank you for the opportunity to see what an impact that our church is being able to have, even amongst uh, churches in Brazil, churches that are along the Amazon River. Lord, that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing there is just such a privilege and an honor. And so, Lord, we do pray for Pastor Pedro and for um, every pastor 
that he is ministering to um, all along the river. Lord, for the families that are struggling just to make it and trying to meet the needs of, of the people within their communities, Lord, we, we pray for them in a special way again this morning. Uh, Lord, today I know there are many who are, who are tired, who may be weary, and uh, Lord, I pray that you might touch their hearts and, and uh, speak to the, into their lives, Lord, uh, that, that you have a rest for them that, that uh, the world cannot compare to. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Graduates. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we have our graduates this morning, and uh, we want to honor them in a special way. And uh, this morning we have one high school graduate and one college graduate. And I think uh, Carly's with us this morning, so if you want to come up. And I want to share just a little bit with you about what they are, are going to be doing this year. Um, our high school graduate is uh, Kylie Lindsay, and she uh, graduated from Marshall County High School on Friday. And her future plans are to attend uh, West Community, Community and Technical College, majoring in education. And uh, this morning, this is uh, Carly King, and uh, she has graduated from the University of Kentucky College of Nursing with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree. And uh, her future plans are she is uh, planning to move to Dallas, Texas and to begin her nursing career uh, at the Medical Center of, of Dallas Hospital. And she just got engaged. All right? Amen. And so uh, we want to we wanna pray for Kylie and Carly this morning as uh, they take these next steps. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to honor our high school and college graduates this morning. And uh, Lord, so thankful for the families that they represent, so thankful for, um, Lord, the, this church that they represent, but most importantly, we're thankful that they represent you. And Lord, as they go into um, these next stages of, of their life, Lord, as they make uh, plans for the future, Lord, I pray that you would use them in, in mighty ways to your honor and glory, Lord, that they would be uh, witness wherever it is that you place them with the folks that you, you put in their lives, that they might be an influence uh, to your honor and glory. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There we go. Thank you. Amen. Jesus is truly the name above all names. You stand with me. We say, blessed be his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Thank you, Ashley, so much. This morning, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we'll be looking at verses 28 through 30. 
It's been a good day. hope the Lord's already touched your heart and prepared you for the word that he has this morning. And uh, I know that as we've gone through this last few months, uh, one of the things that I keep on hearing people say is I'm just so worn out. I just, it just feels like things are coming in waves. Uh, and I know many families that have, have experienced not just one or two or three, but, but multiple um, major setbacks as a family, issues that have, have kind of rocked their families. And, you know, we, we wonder, is there, is there any place where we can find a, a, a season of rest? And that's something that the Lord speaks to us about. And he speaks to us about that here in um, the Gospel of Matthew, here in chapter 11. He speaks to us about where we find rest in this life. Uh, with all of the pain, with all the situations and circumstances and the difficulties that come into our lives, there is a place that we find rest. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. So as you turn there to Matthew chapter 11, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity that we have had to sing, to lift up our hearts and our voices to you, Lord, to be able to spend time in prayer and now to open up your word and to have you teach us, Lord. We, we need to hear um, about where we can rest, where we can find peace in this troubled world. And Lord, I am so thankful that you address that in your, in your word and in the gospel of Matthew, Lord, specifically here in chapter 11 that you show us in the midst of the chaos and the turmoil that many times we find our lives in, that there is a place of rest. There's a place that we can go to and know that we are safe. And I'm so thankful for that knowledge this morning. I know that I am a very weak vessel. So Lord, this morning again, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. We'll look at chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You may be seated. Again, this morning, I'm sure for many of us, the word weary describes uh, kind of the season of life that we're in. We so often feel weary. Sometimes we feel like we've reached the end of our rope. And frankly, there's, there's not really uh, enough rope left for us to even tie a knot. Uh, some of us may even feel like we've run so wide open for so long that there's just simply no more gas in the tank. And with the prices of gas right now, we couldn't afford to put any in anyway. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're just at the end there. Uh, and these are the kind of people that Jesus was addressing here in these verses as well. So this chapter deals with the doubts uh, that John the Baptist had. We see that in the, in the first part of, of chapter 11 in, in verses 1 through 6. We also see the hypocrisy of the religious leaders as Jesus was, was teaching, as he was ministering, we see the, the hypocrisy of those leaders in uh, verses 7 through 19. We see the, the wickedness of the cities where Jesus had been preaching and ministering. We see that in verses 20 through 24. And so he has been surrounded by those who are wearied. Wearied either with their vain efforts at religion or their equally vain struggles 
against sin and to deal with that sin in and of their own strength. So these are people who need to know that there is a place of rest, a place to which they can run, where they can rest from the labor of the soul. And what a blessing for us it is to be reminded this morning that there is a place of rest for us as the people of God. And that call Jesus Christ Savior and Lord. There is a place of rest for us today. If you are one of those who is weary, if you're one of those who, who says this morning, Brother Brad, I am certainly heavy laden. Allow me to give you some hope. And it comes from the very word of God. It's promises that he gives us. Allow me to point you to the place of rest. There are two primary areas where the people of God can find rest. We're just going to talk about two major things this morning. And the first of which is that there is the rest of salvation. We see that in verse 28. There's the rest of salvation. We see the call first. In this verse, we can see that there is an invitation for men to come to Jesus. In him alone can we find salvation for the soul. There is no place to find true saving grace other than in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. People try to find rest for the soul in many different places today. Um, there are many people who, who believe that if you find um, some religion that you enjoy, um, some system of belief that you, you find hope in, that that's enough. Uh, that you know, There are many paths that lead all to uh, God or whatever your concept of God might be. Um, but that's not the biblical concept of what it means to find rest. Jesus clearly states for us, in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6, he says to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we can try to find a, a lot of different other paths, but in the end, they're going to lead us in the wrong direction. And so there is no other place other than Christ. Men seek to find their salvation in so many other places. In religion, in works, in goodness, in, in self-righteousness. But we see that every effort of man that rejects faith in Jesus Christ alone for some other method is always doomed to absolute failure. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. But also we see the candidates here. We see the candidates. Notice that the call of the Lord is extended here to a particular group of people. There's a, there's a particular group of people who can be saved. And this group, I want to tell you, is incredibly, listen to me, inclusive rather than an exclusive. And you say, what are you talking about, Brother Brad? The group that Jesus is calling unto himself is all. Now what does that mean? That is anyone, anywhere, who hears the invitation from the Son of God can come to him and find salvation. If the, if the Holy Spirit of God pricks your heart and causes you to feel conviction over your sin, and you truly are repentant of your sin, and you truly do understand who Christ is, and you desire by faith to trust in him, you shall be saved. Amen? That, that is as inclusive as it comes. Anyone, you don't have to be a Jew you don't have to be a Gentile. You don't have to be white. You don't have to be black. You don't have to uh, be from America. You, you don't have to be from Africa. You don't, it's everyone. 
If the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart and into your life, regardless of if you think you came from the wrong side of the tracks or your head is so big because you figured that no one's better than you, if you can come to that place of repentance and humble yourself and recognize that you need Christ for your salvation, you can be saved no matter how bad you think you've been. You can be saved. It's anyone. And thank God that he said all. Amen. Because if there had been any exceptions, if there had been any caveats of as long as you're this or as long as you're that, I'd have been excluded because I'm not all that good. And neither are you. If there had been any exceptions, it would have been one exception too many and we wouldn't have made it. But notice also that he called out those who labored and were heavy laden. That word labor refers to those who are absolutely worn out from effort, from trying so hard. While that word heavy laden calls to mind those who have been pressed down uh, against a heavy weight. And so the reference here is to those who are struggling with sin and to those who are laboring under the bondage of religion and vain attempts at self-righteousness. Notice how Jesus describes that condition in uh, chapter 23 of Matthew and in verse 4. He says, for they bind heavy burdens and grievies to be born and lay them on the men's shoulders but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. What Jesus is saying here is, is in other words, he's calling out those who, who are, are trying to good, good their way to God. Trying to be good enough. Try, trying to say, okay, if you can follow this rule and this rule and this rule and never color outside the lines, then you might can make it of your own effort. The problem is, is none of us can good our way to heaven. None of us can good our way to God. We're not that good. No one is good except God. And so Jesus knows, just as the sinner himself will find out one day, but Jesus knows that every effort to save oneself is a foolish waste of time, that it's not going to get you where you're wanting to go. The only way it will ever be accomplished in anyone's life is through the pure grace of God. If you're trusting in anything Plus, if it's Jesus plus anything, then, then you've missed the mark. It has to be Christ and Christ alone. And what encourages me about this verse is the fact that it is all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. It opens the door of salvation wide enough to allow whosoever will to pass through that door. And because of that, it includes me and it includes you this morning. That if you hear the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart, then you can be saved. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think you've done. He says that you can be saved. Sadly, though, many are still struggling to do it themselves. Well, if I, I you know, Brother Brad, I'm here this morning, but you need me, I, you're going to need me to clean myself up because you don't know who I am. I, I don't care who you are. Jesus says you can't clean yourself up. He does the cleaning. You have to come to him. We need to be reminded that, that our efforts will always lead to failure. Only faith in Christ can and will save the human soul. But also we see here, we see the covenant. We see the covenant. Jesus promised all those who came to him that he would give them what? Rest. He promises us rest. I don't know about you, but doesn't that sound good? Some of you just saying, if you just say the final amen, I'd get home and I'd get some rest. We all long for rest because we're all so busy. We're all running in, in so many different directions. This word speaks of quietness, of calmness. It, it actually speaks of refreshment. 
And he promises to allow them to rest from their labors and from their attempts at self-righteousness. And he promises to save them fully and freely by the grace alone without any works whatsoever. We don't have to bring anything to the table other than, than our broken life. And say, can you put this back together again? And Jesus says, I sure can. And I will. And that's what we need. What a blessing that thought is. Then we, when we grasp this truth, when we come to understand that when we come to Christ for salvation... We are truly given rest. A rest which manifests itself in several unique and very specific ways that the Lord shares with us throughout his word. We see that we are given peace with God. We're given peace with God, and that's shown to us there in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, before we came to Christ, we were enemies of God. We were currently under God's wrath. If you're lost today, you're currently under the wrath of God. But in salvation, we find peace with God. We also were given rest from our attempts to please God. Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We can please God because when Christ saves us, the Heavenly Father looks at us and he sees Christ, not us. He sees the perfection of his Son through us because he dwell, because Christ dwells within us. And so we can please God where we could not before. But also we're given a calmness concerning our salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. For a child who has a, a loving uh, parent, a loving mother and father, or a loving mom or a loving dad, one or the other at least, for that child, that, that place of calmness comes in the presence of that parent knowing that they're taken care of and knowing there's nothing to worry about. And what we, what we see here is, is that we have been adopted into the family of God. You are a son, you are a daughter of God when you come into this relationship, and that brings calmness. But also, we are given a quietness about our future. We can have quietness within our soul. John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. We also see in John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that no matter what may happen in this life, I can never be taken away from the Lord. And I can never fall away from his grace. That he has me firmly in his grasp. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity have got me in the grasp. And I will never fall away. That brings a quietness to my soul. But also we are given refreshment from our journey. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 30. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. If you need refreshment this morning, if you need like a cool drink of water on a hot summer day, it comes in relationship to Christ, regardless of what we may be going through, that we can find refreshment in the midst of this journey in our relationship with Jesus. And these are glorious promises that the Savior has given to us this morning. And thank God there is a rest for the soul. But also allow me to share with you this morning that there is also rest 
for the sojourner. We have rest of salvation. Right here also we see that we have rest of satisfaction. There is the rest of satisfaction shown to us in verses 29 and 30. And what does that mean? What are we talking about with satisfaction? Well, we see that satisfaction is found in service. So Jesus moves immediately from the picture of rest in verse 28 to the idea of work in verse 29. And he does so by referring to a yoke. Now, I have taught enough children and youth to know that as I speak about this yoke, I need to refer to the fact that we're not talking about eggs, okay? I've had so many children. You get done, and they're like, I don't know why we were talking about eggs. Not yet. It's not eggs. There's nothing about eggs in here, okay? So just to get that cleared up. But so you understand what the yoke is, um, the yoke was a wooden instrument, and it was used to connect the ox to the load, which the ox was expected then to pull. And so we've talked about this rest. But also in order to find true rest, Jesus expects us to understand that as his servants, he desires for us to serve him in some fashion. And that brings satisfaction into our lives. Sadly, that's a foreign concept to far too many believers. But in truth, no believer will ever be fully satisfied until he or she finds themselves engaged in joining the Lord in the work that he is doing. And so to do anything less is to deny the destiny that he has given us as his child, as a Christian. To, to say, I'm just going to sit back and, and, and do nothing, and I'm okay as long as I show up on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, and maybe I'll come on Wednesday night, but I'm really not going to be a part of any, of any ministry. I'm not going to be a part of, of missions of any kind. I'm not going to be a part of serving the Lord in any real way. It's just foreign concept in the Bible. We always find those who have come to Christ serving in some capacity. See, we're not saved by works. Okay, hear me this morning. We're not saved by works. But works are certainly expected from those of us who have been saved. Amen? It's expected that if we have become a child of God, that we're going to serve. That we're going to want to join our, our Father in what He's doing. And so, we see this throughout Scripture in many specific places. Um, in Ephesians 2.10, we're told that we're created for good works. In Titus 2.14, that we're zealous for good works. In Titus 3.8, we're engaged in good work. In James 2.18, clearly it shows us, he says, show your faith through your works. So you're not saved by your works, but because you're saved, there will be works that will be evident for the world to say, yes, they certainly do belong to the Lord. And so to do anything less denies our spiritual destiny, and it dishonors our Lord. And so this is one reason that as your pastor, I try to remind you, over and over and over again of opportunities for you to faithfully join the Lord in, in the work that he's doing, that you take up that, that duty that he's given to you, that opportunity to be of service, and to find the satisfaction of the soul that comes when we do what Lord, the Lord has called us to do. There's far more to being a Christian than just, than just that verbal confession of faith. I, there, there, there's a lot of folks who have come to the front of a church at the end of a service, and have had an emotional experience, and they give a verbal confession of faith, and nothing changed in their hearts. And therefore, we see somebody who, who really feels no need to serve in any way because they've really not had a change of heart. There are too many people who have given a verbal profession of faith who are still going to die and go to hell because they never truly repented of sin. They never truly accepted Christ by faith. 
They just made a verbal statement about something that really made no change in their life. And so genuine salvation always manifests itself in obedience, faithful work. Uh, that's what J James shows us in James 2.18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. James isn't saying, I'm saved because I did enough work to get saved. No, James is saying, because I'm saved, wow, how the Lord has used my life. How he's changed me, how he's changed my desires. He's changed my want to, in other words, is what James says. And now I desire to join the Lord in the work that he's doing. And therefore, when a believer yields their life to the Lord in service, they find that they will become truly satisfied in their hearts and in their souls. Jesus does make us, uh, he makes a huge difference, and that difference should always be lived out. You, you can't have, and I've told you this so many times, you cannot have an encounter with the God of all creation where he comes and he resides within you and stay like you were before you knew Christ, before he dwelled within you. It's just contrary to scripture that you can be the same person after salvation you can't he's going to transform you into a new creation okay but also we see satisfaction is found in surrender notice here the commands given by jesus in this verse come take learn all of those are action words they're verbs they're words which anticipate some action on the part of the hearer and so the lord gave these words to elicit a response from each of us when we hear them. And, and by the way, we can't relegate these verses to just the Jews and say that they have no importance to us today. Well, he was just talking to the Jews here. No, these verses are just as inspired and just as binding to us uh, that they're being spoken to this morning 2,000 years since they were originally spoken. No, these are words for us today as well. And so we talk about surrender but what does that word mean? Surrender is defined as to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand surrendered. To, to give up completely or agree to forego in favor of another. It's to give oneself up into the power of another as a prisoner. To give oneself over to something as an influence. And so that's what surrender means. But what are we to surrender to? Because it matters what you've surrendered your life to. Many people have surrendered their lives to many different things, and many of those things have destroyed their lives. So what are we to surrender to? We're to surrender to a person. Note the personal pronouns that are used here. My, me, I. So obviously, Jesus is referring here to himself as the one to whom we should surrender. He is the person under whose absolute control we are to place our lives. So why should we do that? Because he tells us that he is what? Meek and lowly of heart. It sets Jesus apart from all the other masters who had come along or would come along throughout history. Because we look and there are many like Pharaoh uh, who could be classified as a cruel, mean taskmaster. We see that in, in Exodus chapter 5 and the way that he was treating the people. The devil is that kind of taskmaster. He doesn't care a thing about those who would serve him. But he will destroy them. He'll destroy their lives, and then they will spend eternity doomed in hell. Jesus, however, is far different. He's never cruel. He's, he's never mean-spirited. He's never harsh. Rather, he genuinely cares, lovingly cares for you 
and for me. And therefore, you and I can surrender to him with absolute confidence that he will place us first in his considerations. And how do I know that? I, th- I know that because he, he placed me ahead of himself when he went to the cross. When he said, not my will, but yours, Father, be done. See, the Father's will was to bring many sons and daughters to glory through what Christ would do on the cross. What Jesus did was the most difficult mission ever accomplished. And and it took everything. It, It required his entire life. But he was willing to do it because he was thinking of me. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of this is what brings the greatest honor and glory to my Father is that my life might be given, that these might be saved, that they might be brought back, the curse might be reversed. And so notice the word learn here. This is the same word from which we get the word disciple. So when Jesus is asking you and me to do this thing called surrender, uh, when we surrender to him, uh, we become his disciple. And so how is that accomplished? Well, Matthew 16, 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We take up our cross. We we put down our wants and we put down our desires. We take up a cross. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If any man comes to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So what, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying in no uncertain terms, I must be preeminent in your life to the place where all else it looks like you hate it compared to your great and total love and devotion to me so that we would not want to shrink back and, and, and go back to our old way of life and our old way of thinking and our old way of acting. So he says, take up your cross and turn your back on all that you've known in the past that's controlled you and and been the greatest desire of your life. Take up your cross and come and follow me with complete surrender. Wow. That's a whole lot more than just walking an aisle and grabbing a preacher by the hand and saying, I'm good to go. I've got my fire insurance. It's a complete surrender to Christ. So the price is high. But the dividends are out of this world. And simply stated, we are to surrender everything we are, have, and ever hope to be to the will of the Lord. We're to place ourselves at his disposal and allow him to be the absolute Lord and ruler of our lives. And when we do, we'll find genuine satisfaction for our souls. But also, we're to surrender to a plan. We're to surrender to a plan. It's apparent that Jesus expects us to get into this yoke. Now, as I stated earlier, this yoke is a wooden instrument that was placed around the neck of an ox and was then attached to a plow or to a wagon or or to whatever burden needed to be moved. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, does it, to put a yoke on? I mean, that that doesn't sound like the most desirable thing for, for, for anyone to do. And yet Jesus says that his yoke is easy. So what does that mean? What does it mean that his yoke is easy? Is he saying that life under his will is is a life of ease and and, and perfection? No, absolutely not. Ask many of the believers throughout history who have given their very lives for the cause of of the gospel, for the name of Jesus. No, it's not easy. It's not a life with no issues. 
You see, each yoke would have been carved in such a way that it perfectly fit the shoulders of that particular ox for which it was designed. And so each yoke was as different from the other yoke as were the oxen that wore it from one another. And so what Jesus is saying here is is that your yoke fits. Your yoke fits. If you'll wear it, if you'll put it on, if you'll trust me, the yoke fits. And so when we surrender to the Lord and, and to his will for our lives, we can be confident that he has perfectly and individually designed the yoke just for me, just for you, for the one that, that he has desired for your life. He has made your life to be perfectly fit. And that's why he can also say that the burden's light. When we surrender to the Lord's yoke, we're pulling the burden that he's designed for us. There will be satisfaction even in the midst of trials and afflictions. Life's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy, but it's got purpose in it. There's a plan that God has for your life, and it's to accomplish great things for his glory and for your good. Notice the principle at work here in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all of these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severely as he will. And so... The same spirit that gives me the ability to stand up and proclaim the gospel Sunday after Sunday is the same spirit that will allow you to speak when the Lord gives you opportunity with that family member or with that friend or when he tells you to to have a ministry of mercy to to one who is hurting and and maybe even at the end of life and you need to be there for them or or whatever the, the, the... the calling of your life is, the giftedness of your life is, that spirit dwells and works within you. And so when a yoke is first placed on the shoulders of the ox, the ox will rebel against that yoke. It doesn't quite feel right. It, it, it's not what they might want at the moment. However, when he surrenders to the yoke and he puts his shoulder to the task of pulling his burden, he finds the yoke makes the job of pulling the burden much, much easier than it could have ever been otherwise. And there is a lesson here for you and for me, and it's that we should all strive to yield to the yoke that Jesus has designed for us to wear, for me to wear, for you to wear, your yoke. It may not feel right when we first are exposed to it, and it may cause us to want to buck and to kick it off. But if we'll surrender to it, we'll find that it may actually make life so much easier than it ever could have otherwise been. There are a bunch of Lord's oxen, meaning you and me. <laughs> a lot of us who are trying our best to wear another one's yoke. People who are saved trying to wear the yoke of the world, and it's just not going to fit. It wasn't meant to. Some who are trying the yoke on that was designed for someone else, and they're trying to do a work that the Lord didn't call them to do and hasn't gifted them to do. And they too are finding that the yoke doesn't fit. 
And when we wear the wrong yoke, we find ourselves exposed to unnecessary pain and bruising that could have otherwise been avoided by merely surrendering to our own individual yoke of service and saying, Lord, I'm willing to do that which you have called me to do. We need to remember at this point that Jesus was trained as a carpenter. And in those days, the carpenter didn't do as much building of houses and bookshelves. The carpenter usually would spend their time with farm implements. In other words, Jesus must have carved out dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of yokes as he was growing up there in Nazareth. Now, as the Savior, he is still carving out individualized, perfectly fitted yoke for each of his children. And it would do us well to learn to surrender to the yoke, become nothing more than what he has planned us for, for us to be. Not trying to be something or someone that he has not called us to be, but surrendering to his plan for our life and we're, we're surrendered to his will then we can be absolutely sure that he will allow nothing to harm us but that every burden that we're called upon to pull has been placed there for our good and his glory that he knows what he's doing even when it hurts for a season we can also know that when we get back to the barn we'll see that all of our labor has not been in vain and so as we draw things together here, uh, allow me to ask you a question. Does the Lord's yoke seem easy? Does his burden seem light to you this morning? If you say, you know, it's, it's, it's not a life where there's no issues, but yeah, I can say that. I can say that his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If that's the case in your life, then I, I, I know that you're a satisfied person. You've learned to work where the Lord's called you to work, and you've, you've found that it's, it's a sweet place to be in. But if the answer is no, then I want to recommend some time here at the altar this morning. And just asking the Lord to show you what your giftedness is, what your talents are, and how you can be a part of that which he's called you to do. You may need to surrender to your yoke and let the Lord have his way in your life. There may be some who have never entered that rest of salvation however this morning and you you're continuing to push away christ and you're trying to do it on your own you're trying to be good enough you're trying to uh, follow the rules you're trying to be religious enough you're here this morning you're thinking you know what you know my my mom my dad my spouse my my friend asked me to be here and i'm here to do them a favor do them a solid but i i'm not planning on getting saved well you know what the holy spirit might have something else to say about that perhaps this morning you're feeling you're here for a reason. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart. And he's telling you that he loves you. And he desires to save you. If you'll repent of your sin and come, he's, he's telling you, I, I want a relationship with you. If that's you this morning, oh, that you would find the rest of salvation today. But again this morning, I don't know your heart, but the Lord does. Maybe it's salvation is your greatest need. Maybe the Lord's calling you to ministry or missions. He's calling you to that and you've been pushing against it and you've been fighting against it and it's hard and you're, you're just worn out and you just say, Lord, I want to surrender to your will this morning. Maybe you know that this is where you should be calling your church home and you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Maybe today that's the decision that needs to be made. Maybe you just need to spend some time here at the altar today. What's he calling you to? His yoke is easy, his burden is light. He's the one you can come to this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and I thank you. I thank you for these promises that you have made to us. 
promises about salvation and who it is offered to. That it is offered to any of us who recognize that you're speaking into our hearts and into our lives. Any of us who you've, you've pricked our heart this morning and you've shown us that we need salvation, Lord, we can come and we can be saved. Lord, this morning that we can find salvation in joining you in the work of ministry, joining you, doing what you've called us to do. Lord, you've called me to a work, and my work's going to be different than my brother or sister here this morning, but they have a, a work themselves that maybe I could never do. And Lord, if they'll just do that, what you've called them to do, you're going to be glorified, and they're going to find that it's a whole lot sweeter to be where the Lord's called them to be. And so, Lord, this morning, I don't know what all the needs are. Lord, maybe you're calling some folks to ministry. Lord, maybe you're calling some folks to salvation. Maybe you're calling some folks to church membership. But, Lord, I pray that we would be obedient, whatever it is that you're calling us to this morning, to your honor and glory. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, would you come?